Cartels are exploiting Indian reservations to get into America, and our federal government can't be bothered to stop it. Hey, y'all, it's Sarah Carter from The Sarah Carter Show. I just got back from two trips to our southern border, and I want to take you inside a huge hotspot where thousands of migrants are coming into America every day. I was with a member of the National Border Patrol Council when the Border Patrol nabbed multiple illegal migrants who were breaking U.S. law, and I have the exclusive audio. For all this and more, subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show on your favorite podcast app. So remember last week we talked about um, the people who run Biden trying to seize uh, through eminent domain and other methods a bunch of rural lands. I, I didn't really expect to go back down that path so early, but I had a conversation with a gentleman named Steve Bradshaw, who's running to be governor of Idaho. And it's part of our series on red state firewalls. And he told me some things about Brad Little. Is it your contention that he is knowingly selling the state out to the feds? Absolutely. Because nobody's that ignorant. Nobody. Uh, You've got the CARES Act. You've got the ARPA. And everything that you're seeing him do right now, he started and put into action three years ago when he got elected. So he could bring it forward for the election. And smoke in front of the people. So Steve is saying, Brad Little, the the governor of Idaho, has sold the state out quite literally uh, to the feds, the sovereignty and other words, the actual existence of the state of Idaho. He says this has happened around the country with a series of bureaucratic tripwires connected to so-called COVID funds. So we are going to talk about that. Brad Little could have taken the federal lands back from the government, but he didn't. So we're going to continue to talk about red state firewalls. And speaking of federal lands, this is a little something from CNBC talking about what the hot stock buys are. No problem buying them up here. Well, let's find out what halftime's Bryn Talkington of Requisite Capital thinks because she just recently got into the ag trade as well. Bryn, it's good to see you. You own ADM, Archer Daniels Midland. It's up only 85%. Uh, what do you do now, though? Yeah, agricultural futures are up 85%, meaning as the people who run Biden restrict the amount of product that's produced, they want to burn more corn to make up for gas prices. Corn, which is a staple food. Gee, I, I wonder what's going to happen to food prices. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And with the brand new subscription plan for the Todd Herman Show audience, unique to us, you can only get it through bonefrog.us. Just a howdy howdy and a shout out to the people who run Bonefrog Coffee at bonefrog.us. Yeah, later in the show, um, you're going to hear from a guy and initially attended just to put 10 minutes of this together uh, to talk about. He's a great guy, Steve Bradshaw, uh, running to be governor of the state of Idaho and the 10 and 15 minute talk. But he went into such detail 
about how the federal government is conning the counties, the many counties of the country. If your county took federal dollars, um, they're owned by the feds. And, and anytime the feds want, they can come and claw back those fu- those funds. You want to you know, know why so many counties refused to come off of the COVID nonsense? It was money. It was bribes. It's worse than that. So he's going to join us. And you'll hear his estimation of, is Idaho a safe state for conservatives? Remember, we've been doing this series on conservative firewalls. I think when you listen to Steve Bradshaw, and if you're outside the state of Idaho, understand Steve is a godly non-politician, pastor, businessman, uh, running to rescue his state from what he sees as being completely seized by the federal government. So it turned into a conversation of some depth and some detail on how the federal con worked to implant these hooks into the counties and thereby the states. It's also unique to have a guy running for governor who will speak so openly about his faith and about the the, the name of the Lord Jesus and what that means to him. Uh, so he's going to join us. I'm looking at, and you probably are too, I'm just going back in history and, and looking at some, you know, madcap, conspiracy theory type tweets I put out like year ago or so saying, I hope we don't all think that this supply chain thing is temporary or this tweet saying, Oh, so it's going to be a supply chain issue now. Or this tweet saying, Oh, the great resets, a shortage invented by government. That's just a year ago. And and, and again, I mean, it's just guessing like we were guessing that they were going to use the PCR test to make it seem like there were more cases of COVID like we were guessing, just throwing spitballs at a, you know, a greased wall that maybe changing the election rules with 30 days to go and allowing Mark Zuckerberg to purchase state counting methodologies and to, to launch these boxes all around. Maybe that's going to end badly or or maybe saying, you know, there's going to turn out to be a bunch of feds embedded in this uh, in this affair on January 6th. Or, yeah, you know what, this plot to kidnap uh, the the dictator of Michigan, it doesn't seem like these guys could pull that off. And, oh, incidentally, they're not Trump fans. They hate cops, et cetera. And just, you know, wild, stinking guesses like, oh, the, the injections, those aren't going to stop transmission or infection. And, oh, it's not two weeks. And, you know, just weird guesses that you just you toss out there from time to time. And it's, sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong. And the supply chain thing, I mean, who could have? seen that when you destroy the world economy as you have with a ball peen hammer, when you are making sure that you're going to have shortages in oil and core energy products at the same time as you are suddenly providing the great, great, uh, very, very clean green energy that you're going to say, oh, oh, so they're going to do that with energy, but not food. No, gosh, no. They would never use the same stunt with food to create a shortage and then to come and rack up the prices for the thing that the Great Reset is about. In energy, the Great Reset is to go to electricity. It's a whole bunch of new money for new people. Electricity, the the party can turn off whenever the party wants to turn it off. It's difficult to store a lot of electricity. Yeah, you can do solar. It's funny they don't talk about that in houses. And then on the food thing, Biden's wants to buy up more farmland. He wants to lease more farmland to make sure people don't farm, whether the people behind Joe Biden 
And then, of course, we'll say it again, Buffett and Gates purchasing uh, this farmland along with the Chinese Communist Party. All of them are very, very good friends. None of them wanting to have access, us to have access to a renewable resource called beef or poultry or fish. They don't want that. They want us all to have to purchase it Monsanto style. You know, a license for your frankenfish or your frankenwheat. And now you're going to purchase a licensed fake meat product from Bill Gates because he's pretending the same way they did with the climate scam. That if you don't purchase this fake meat, then the entire world's going to implode. It's the same swindle. It's, it's, it's the same swindle Fauci ran with AIDS. Uh, well, kids can get AIDS if they look at someone with AIDS, but first they get HIV. Same swindle. So the plan now for, for them to eliminate the fuel crisis. <laughs> Here's how you eliminate a fuel crisis in America that was that presaged because it's planned. Because when you kill pipelines and you kill the ability to refine oil and you refuse to allow, the, allow us to continue to harvest our own oil, and you turn and said to Venezuela and Iran, this is purposeful and everybody knows it. Uh, 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 under, under, under my plan, uh, energy costs uh, necessarily skyrocket. You can build a new refinery, uh, but, but, but it's going to cost you. Obama speaking in, in Nancy Pelosi's district of San Francisco. David Horowitz at The Blaze, one could not have conjured up a more odious and counterproductive policy than taking 40% of our corn supply and using it to dilute our fuel, thereby increasing the cost of both food and gas. Yet, not only has the Biden administration declined to repeal the ethanol mandate during this unprecedented period of inflation and supply shocks, he will increase ethanol use in a way that will further deplete gas mileage for many motorists and place a greater demand on corn, which is the antecedent to the entire chain of food costs with prices approaching record highs. It's antecedent in that it's the core seed that feeds poultry and it feeds well-fed cattle. Unless you like the, uh, the cannibal cattle. That's where they feed cows beef and fig, feed pigs bacon. That's gross, guys. You want to, there's a reason people don't eat cannibalistic people. And there's a reason that cannibalism is not a good idea because it creates genetic loops. Ah, ever since the, pathet- the pathetic mandate was implemented in 2005 and expanded in 2017, oil refiners couldn't meet the arbitrary sum of billions of gallons of biofuels to blend in the nation's food supply, a fuel supply, even if they wanted to. And Horowitz goes on. So as they have constructed the same shortage they did that they, they wanted to, this, they wanted the shortage on petroleum products so that they could artificially jack up the rates. They could artificially say, oh, let's look, look, green energy is getting more expensive, getting cheaper every day. It's getting less costly. Now they're going to attack a, a staple food as they decrease the percentage of food or percentage of land used to produce food in the United States of America. Find me the more strategic asset than food. A nation, a, an army runs on its stomach. You got food, you got water, you got air. In fact, when we talked to Steve um, Bradshaw running for governor of Idaho, he makes the case that the federal government has purchased our food our water, and they're working on purchasing our air in all the states with all this massive fake federal money, the debt they roll out. 
In fact, he sued the the governor of, of Idaho, Brad Little. He did. You'll hear from him in a second here. Uh, now, line this up. Um, the agriculture stocks, and we'll talk to Zach Abraham about this. He's been talking to us about futures. It's and If you follow Zach's logic, when they're going to green energy, they're raising the price of copper, of zinc, of silicon, of the elements that make the batteries, the, the radioactive elements that little kids dig out of the water or out of the mud. They're raising all those costs. So electric cars, which are already wildly expensive and can't be made without petroleum, they're raising the, the, the ingredients. You can't make an electric car without these things. You can't make solar panels without these things. You can't have food, as we talked about earlier this week, you can't have food without death. Not on any industrial scale. Remember we played that clip from, from Joe Rogan's guest talking about the number of animal deaths that occur by harvesting plants. It's unavoidable. Energy, for instance, is going to have a byproduct unless it's useless energy where we're not ready to process. So from the food shortage to this, the, the, the industries that deal in, in fertilizers are issuing a whole series of warnings. And again, this is being pushed under the file of Putin 19. This is all about the Putin and yet, this has been coming. CF Industries Holdings, Inc. on Thursday said shipping reductions by Union Pacific Core rail lines would result in delays to nitrogen shipments. You don't say. CF said it was notified by the Union Pacific on April 8th that certain shippers would be mandated to reduce the volume of private cars on the railroad effective immediately. The move will affect fertilized ship, fertilizer shipments during the spring application season. Will it? Do you mean during the season where people begin to to protect their plants for growth? This is that season? Wait a minute. Would that include corn? Would that include the same corn that Joe Biden wants to push into more gas tanks? That corn? Would this be in the same nation? Where farmers to this day are being paid to not grow crops? And in, in that here, would this be happening at the same time as two of the richest men in the world and one of the most evil political parties in the world, the Chinese Communist Party, um, are going through the process of owning as much soy and stuff that you will put into the impossible fake meat plastic meat burgers at the, the oh, at, oh, at the same time. Got it. Wait. Would this affect Monsanto with their monstrous supply of this stuff? No. Why? CF said it understands that the, the that it, it is only one of 30 companies to face these restrictions. So 30 companies are going to face restrictions on being able to ship fertilizers. For corn, which is going to be burned in fuel. As the United States decreases the footprint on which you can grow food. Wait, we just decreased the amount of square footage or square acreage you can use to to harvest oil. Wait, 
We just reduced the number of pipelines we have. Wait a minute. We just got done reducing the number of places oil companies can, dr- can drill. Wow. It's almost like there's a pattern. God created abundance. God showed us through his son, Christ Jesus. You have a handful of fish, a handful of bread. I can feed 5,000 people. I can feed 8,000. He showed us through faith and prayer, I can multiply. That there is no shortage. There is abundance. Why are we inventing shortage? To flip society. The great reset is you have to change everything everyone owns. We don't care if it's expensive because then we can have fewer homeowners. Yeah, the same people doing this are bent on owning the majority of homes. They want us to be a nation of renters. We'll be happy they'll own everything. I invite you to find a more strategic asset than food, water, and shelter. Which, unless you intend to burn trees, has to be heated by energy. Every core strategic asset that you can have in a country is being squoze at the same time for less efficient alternatives or bottlenecked alternatives. The only way out of the energy crisis is to buy an electric car. The only way out of the COVID flu is to get injected with the mRNA injection. The only way you're going to have access to protein is if you buy the Franken plastic meat. If you, if you, uh, if you buy Bill's meat. Bill's fake meat, then you'll have, then you'll have safety. So what's happening then to (laughs) the price of agricultural stocks, CNBC? No problem buying them up here. Well, let's find out what halftime's Bryn Talkington of Requisite Capital thinks because she just recently got into the ag trade as well. Bryn, it's good to see you. You own ADM, Archer Daniels Midland. It's up only 85%. Uh, What do you do now though? So when I got into the trade, I said I was late to the trade. And because I saw the same technicals and fundamentals that Joe, you know, just talked about, I did it actually via options. So I bought, the stock was at 85 and I bought an in the money one year option at 85. And so whereas the stock's up 12% since I bought it, the option's up 85%. And I think as investors, you have to realize, you know, soy is up, what, 30% this year, corn's up 32, wheat's up 65. And so companies like Archer Daniels actually make a spread on top of spot off those higher prices. And so I think we all know that they're going to have really good earnings. (laughs) Yeah, you think? (laughs) Yeah, we've talked to Zach Abraham from Bulwark Capital Management about this and about the morality of betting on shorts or or, or betting on, on going long on trauma. That's being introduced into our country on purpose across all the most strategic assets. It's, it's staggering. And again, we run into, and I've been um, admonished by a listener. Please don't judge. Please, Todd, please do not judge the people you talk about. Please, 
please look at that massive log house sticking out of your beak and your in your eyes and forget the the specks in others' eyes. Now, I, I I talked with my um my small group last night, my small church group, about this this fact of what I do for a living. Um the princes of the world, and I, I do mean that word in the small p, princes of the world, are smart enough to amass gajillions of dollars. They're smart enough to corner markets. Uh, they're smart enough to build monopolies. They're smart enough to hedge every position. Stocks go up, they win. Stocks go down, they win. Bonds go sideways, they win. Petroleum prices go up, they win. Petroleum prices go down, they win. They're smart enough to make to be market makers, meaning that they will invent and force a market for things. They are they are scheming enough to observe a cultural trend of of young people being confused about their gender, and then they're scheming enough to say, "Hey, that's a money maker, guys." Let's get into these kids and make them sicker in the head. And then let's, let's force their parents to shoot them up with garbage poison. They're smart enough for all these things, scheming enough for all these things, but they simply can't see that cutting off a nation's food supply, energy supply, and cornering their water supply is a bad idea. You you mean to tell me that Bill Gates doesn't understand the strategic nature of being a monopolist in food? Really? You mean to tell me that when Larry Fink and BlackRock decide to be the owner of every company, the biggest owner of every company, uh, that, that matters on the stock market in terms of land or energy or media, that they don't understand the strategic nature of that, that they're smart enough to pull that off, scheming enough to pull that off, but they don't understand the strategic nature of these things. That's th- those are not believable. Those are not, those things can't come together. I am judging the outcome of their work. I am judging the fruits of their labor. And I, I do think it is quite, quite fair and I, I really, I've prayed so hard about this. I'm very, very sorry, but a man willing to be a food monopolist does not mean us well. And particularly a fake food monopolist, food monopolist, forcing us to eat fake foods because it's the only source of protein that he's going to see that we have. No, that's not, there's nothing, that's not defensible morally. It's just not. Yeah, I was talking to the guys at Bonefrog Coffee said, you know what, we got to get to D.C., we got to go back and make some rules where people have to purchase your coffee. Maybe we should go after the, you know, tired. You know what we should do is we should go back and lobby that there's a bunch of drivers that are really, really tired and they create a problem on the roads and, and they're a danger and then people should be forced to purchase coffee and, and hire some lobbyists and go door to door. And, and then just at the last second, We'll say that it has to be a veteran-owned coffee company located in the separate country of Washington State for whatever reason. We're not making a law that it has to be you, and it has to be veteran-owned so it can't be Starbucks. Or, or, Or you could just make the smoothest, most nuanced, layered coffees 
across all the blends, dark, medium, lights, uh, the ones in between, across all the delivery methods, K, K-cup, espresso, bean, uh, drip, French press, all of the delivery methods, and be veteran-owned, and be veteran-operated, and give money back to the community of, of, of fallen Navy SEALs and their families, and create a subscription product that you can only get through the Todd Herman Show podcast. And that subscription product for life will give you 5% off coffee. Let's do it that way instead of going back and going to Washington, D.C., throwing money around lobbying. Let's build a company together that says God team country in the bags. Let's do it that way instead. Go to bonefrog.us. Get 5% off subscription for life. Bonefrog.us. Yeah, the confluence of things. It is really shocking. Uh, We'll have... Uh, coming by, we're going to have uh, Steve Bradshaw's running to be governor of Idaho. If you live in a red state or you're thinking of moving to a red state or you're curious about our red state firewall thing, um, I encourage you to stick around and hear that because he's going to tell tales, not tales. He's going to name names. He's going to talk about how the governor of Idaho, in his opinion, has sold the state out. And in fact, literally selling out the state lands as we continue to talk about confluence of things. And again, to, to paint my point on these people. And them being too smart to not believe these things. Rather, too smart to not understand the strategic quality of owning all the land, owning all the food, owning all the protein, cranking up the prices so high that only they can afford it, owning all the shelterable land. It's, 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 It's insane to believe they don't understand how strategic this is. They do. See, and I can prove this point. You know when the mask mandate came down? You know, finally, and it looks like this, it's this political, it's this ugly political child no one wants. The White House doesn't want to push to get it back. They want the CDC to do it. The CD, the DOJ says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go to court if the CDC says to. They're all trying to push it back on the CDC. And if you don't know that the CDC is, you know, it's grifters, con artists, and I'm judging their, the outcome of their work. They're also political beasts. They know they've got to survive. They know that they can't embarrass their political masters, right? So if you don't think they're political, they're not going to handle this. But listen to the mockingbirds. Ha! When this judge did away with this mass diktat, and yes, this is related to shortages. I promise I'll show you. A MAGA judge with a resume as thin as the paper was written on uses a lot of junk science to strike down the mask mandate on public transportation. The judge is a Trump appointee who was rated unqualified when nominated and had never tried a case. She clerked for Justice Thomas. A former clerk for Justice Clarence Thomas, who was appointed by none other than Donald Trump. A Trump appointed federal judge. It's a Trump appointed judge. Trump appointed federal judge. But one federal judge can now overturn the will of the public health experts in this country. She obviously is clueless, and the vast majority of scientific evidence is masks (laughs) have saved (laughs) millions of lives. Health experts point out (laughs) that legal decision may not square with science. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious. Created scarcity. You see how valuable it is? People are sprinting back to the airlines. Oh my gosh, we can fly again without the woke masks. 
people are standing up and cheering. Yes, the woke masks are gone. Yeah, that's great news. Oh, wait. They stole our kids' lives. And we're thanking them for getting them back? Wow. This is like a religious jubilee. Wow. And then these, well, bothersome details. Um, the people who strapped our kids up in face diapers might not want you to know that there is studies now on microplastics getting into people's lungs. Huh. I wonder where microplastics would have gotten in people's lungs. Shortage of information. They monopolized the information. Water, food, land, energy, information. Same groups have monopolized this information. Then there's this. Alarming new research shows babies born during COVID talk less and develop slower. I'm Grim Milestone. Infants born during the pandemic produced significantly fewer vocalizations and had less verbal back and forth with their caretakers compared to those born before COVID, according to independent studies by Brown University and a national nonprofit focused on early language development. I wonder how that happened. Let's scan the article here. See if that decline worked, uh, analyze COVID, a major drop verbal, um, significantly slower rate of development. Uh, let's see. Let's go through and look for a, let me just, it must be there. I'll just, let me go to the search function here and just do the find and replace thing. Let's find a, a keyword here. Hold on a second. I know this is bad form. That's weird. Huh. You know what, um, you know what word's not in that article? Mask. That's weird. It must have nothing to do with the masks. They seized the information. They're, they have created a generation of children who are going to be less verbal and incidentally, and I will be proven right on this, less empathetic. At the same time as they want kids to be less empathetic and less smart and less discerning and more likely to do as their elders tell them, pardon me, their betters tell them to do in a world where their betters have cornered a food market, land to grow it, water to drink and to grow it, energy and information, and they have created an, a, a generation of kids who will be less intelligent and less empathetic than all previous generations. And no one could have seen it coming. Except we all saw it coming. 
anyone who understands human psychology said, wait, 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 wait. Kids growing up without human faces, experiments have been done on that. The kids died. Well, I mean, they weren't cared for and they weren't held. They were fed, but they weren't cared for. They were not, they were not soothed. They were not held. They weren't interacted with. Yeah, they had food, but they died. They cornered the market on all this. No one's getting punished. But they would never build an edifice to control food growing land. They would never move us to the dangerous precipice of having no meaningful energy of our own. They would never globalize this. Wow. Lord God, through the Son, His Son, Jesus. Give me a handful of fish. Give me some specks of bread. I'll feed the 5,000. Let me give you language, God Almighty. Let me give you language that you may speak to one another. The party, let's monopolize the food and let's wrap the kids up so the faces can't be seen and they can't develop the, the ability to speak. Unbelievable degree of evil. It is. It's funny to talk to people who are soda curious. Curious about soda weight loss. It's SOTA stands for state of the art. Um, my wife was explaining it to someone last night. <laughs> my wife was explaining it to someone last night. And and she it's, it's great because I hear her saying, yeah, um, the gentleman was saying, wait, so you talk to your nutritionist? She said, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So to weight loss. Yeah. If I have a question, I talk to my nutritionist or feedback or like if you if you're off base a little bit on your way in, you talk with them and the people at Soda Weight Loss help you figure that out. And OK, but, but so you can just call them. She said, sure. Yeah. She goes, I don't have a lot of questions. And I've said, oh, great. Now my wife's going to say to the gentleman, because I'm very, very smart. My wife is very smart, by the way. But she said, no, no, it's just that, here, you know what? She goes, you know what, Mark? It's this. It's, it's easy. She goes, I, I, I could tell you all sorts of things about it, but it's easy. And I'm never hungry. And that gets everybody's attention. Well, Soda Weight Loss started as one store in Dallas, Texas, and it blossomed into seven. Now, here's what people heard. Here is what word of mouth did is you would have people at the kitchen table going, my gosh, you look great. You lost all this weight. How'd you do it? Oh, I used soda weight loss. Oh my gosh, was it hard because you took it off very quickly? No, as a matter of fact, I felt like I was eating too much. What? Yeah, I was never hungry. I felt like I was eating too much. Huh, what's it called again? Soda weight loss, S-O-T-A weight loss.com. That's the way the word of mouth worked. So all of a sudden people, I talked to someone from soda the other day. They had people from Louisiana going to Dallas, Texas, from Alabama, from Arkansas, from Oklahoma. That's why they said, hey, the nation needs this. Our protocols work. And then this gentleman asked my wife, she goes, he goes so do you like your nutrition? She goes, oh yeah, I do. During my weigh-ins, they're super supportive. They understand the program. Guys, I'm telling you, weight, like being overweight, it is expensive. It is expensive. It's potentially catastrophic. I'm not trying to scare you. I speak from a position of love. And I speak as a guy who not that long ago weighed 150 more pounds than I do today. I know what it's like to snore. Losing weight, you often stop snoring. I know what it's like to not be able to taste foods. I remember that. I know what it's like to always be hot. I remember that. 
I know what it's like to not want to go swimming because they didn't want people to see me. I remember that. I remember all of those things, and I'm very, very glad it's gone. It's sodaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A, weightloss.com. Hey, when you call, say hello from the Todd Herman Show, sodaweightloss.com. I'm excited for you to meet this gentleman, Steve Bradshaw, who's running to be um, governor of the state of uh, Idaho. First, I want to read a note from a friend of the show around the topic of red state firewalls. We've been talking about that, developing ways to protect red states from the uh, the hordes of smuggles leaving. Not not conservatives. You're welcome. I was welcomed with open arms here, but the the smuggles who think they're fleeing high taxes and crime when they're actually fe- fleeing evil. This is from our friend uh, Tyler. Hey, Todd, on the podcast regarding putting a, up a red state firewall has me um, torn. As you know, I'm one of the conservatives that moved out of enemy territory in Inslee's fiefdom and now enjoying the immense effort of rebuilding in the red state of Arkansas. I caught a lot of flack from the people on my hazard, hazardous liberty page over the decision to leave. I've stood my ground on the idea that we need to abandon Las Casas and move to shore up areas where attacks will be coming, uh, i.e. red states. I've moved here not only to protect my family, but also to become active here at preventing the lunacy from taking more root here than it already has. As I've explained to my audience many times before, had I not run, uh, I have not run away. I've strategically withdrawn in order to preserve the ability to fight. While I completely agree with you that the idea about the idea of an ideological firewall, I have to question if such an extreme step as an ideological tax would have the net benefit in that area. My family and I were only able to achieve our flight because of the artificially high housing market, and we were able to sell our home uh, for more. If we were to have to uh, add an ideological tax on top of the costs, we'd already have to incur to start over. It would have seriously curtailed our ability to move. This makes me wonder, have many others there on our side that may want to move, but not be able to have the resources to do so? My concern is that such a tax would have a net negative depressive effect on our side rather than the left. After all, whereas those of us on the right tend to want to be um, to pay our own way with most things, the left has repeatedly shown their willingness and funding to lose money on advancing their agenda. As I've said, I'm torn on this because I agree with the need for the ideological satisfaction, the ideological satisfaction such a policy would meet. I just don't know if the execution would play out as you think. As always, I appreciate your hard work on our behalf and taking the time to listen and respond. God continue to be with you, my friend, in our risen Christ, Tyler. Tyler, thanks for the notes. I'm so glad that you're in Arkansas. So honored that you continue to listen to the podcast, though you've moved out of the separate country of, of, um, of Washington State back into America in Arkansas. And Tyler, I would ask you now to listen to what's being done in red states and see if you don't agree. That in fact, even it's, it doesn't need to be five grand a year. This need to be 2,500 bucks a year. It could be 1500 bucks a year. It can be part of your property tax. We simply can't do it as a pledge because they're illegal, unconstitutional and immoral to have someone sign a pledge to have freedom of movement in the United States. It's immoral. Um, but it is not immoral to create taxes that defend our constitutional rights. That's what I am consisting or that's what I'm examining with the red state firewall taxation methodology. Now, full disclosure, when I originally agreed to have Steve Bradshaw on the program, it's because I got to eat dinner with him a little bit, found him to be a very likable, humble man and a pastor. I had intended to do about 10 minutes, maybe 15 with him. This went longer because of the detail he goes into, into how the 
State of Idaho is being sold out, in his opinion, by Brad Little. And incidentally, we'll invite Brad Little on, the governor, to come on and defend himself. I will tell you, he won't come on. He won't even show up at Lincoln Day events if there are conservative candidates there. So there's no chance he's going to show up on the show, but we'll reach out. So if you live not in Idaho, you're saying, why do I want to hear from an Idaho gubernatorial candidate? Because I think you need to understand. I think we all need to understand the hooks that exist in your county. We've got listeners all across the country. You're about to hear from Steve Bradshaw, how the feds have gone around and effectively seized your land and your water. And he says they're working on seizing your air. They'll join us in about a minute here. For those of you still in the separate country of Seattle or the Babylon of Seattle, it's going to be a fun night, even though it's a heavy topic. I promise it's going to be a fun night, even though it's a heavy topic. The topic is, will God save America? Will he rescue this country? And I'm excited to hear how my friend Julie Barrett approaches this. Julie is a great speaker. Um, She is a very genuine woman. She is, guys, she is in a mighty battle with the enemy. If you have an opportunity to say a prayer for Julie Barrett and her family, please do. She's in a mighty battle, you guys. But she's going to talk about her life change in the waters of Christ, the blood of Christ, I should say. She's also going to talk about her being saved. And is that death to mean that God will save this country? I'm going to speak on the same topic. I've never done more research. I've never been more nervous. And it's going to be fun. I promise we're going to have, you know, fun and jokes and, and hang out with one another. But at the end of the night... I want us to have an answer in our mind. Can we rest assured that God will rescue America? There's going to be people you've met on the radio show. You've heard on the radio show. Zach Abraham will be there. Jim Walsh, Jesse Young, both good godly, actual godly um, office holders there. There's going to be people you've, I've read their tweets. It'll be like old homeschool week. Tickets are only 20 bucks. You get them at the ToddHermanShow.com. And this far out from the event, as far sold as we are, it looks like it will be a sellout event. Thank the Lord and thank you. Only 20 bucks at uh, the ToddHermanShow.com slash events. On the topic of red state firewalls. So a lot of people look at the state of Idaho as this safe red state. And I've been talking on the podcast of building red state firewalls because we've got listeners in Texas and Oklahoma, uh, Wyoming, Utah, and so I've been talking about how do we protect our states, our states from the flood of smuggles um, who have destroyed Washington State and Oregon and Idaho coming to our states. They don't even know why their states are destroyed. They think they're fleeing high taxes and crime. They don't understand that they're they're fleeing a fallen state and a spiritual war. And um, do you think that Idaho is a safe red state? I I think it's probably one of the best games going right now, but. Uh, no, it's not. It's it's turning. It's already purple, and it and it's got nothing to do with the people that are moving here. It's got a lot to do with the people running the state. They're selling it out for money. So let's name some names. What names? Yeah, who's selling it out? Uh, your governor, your speaker of the house. Uh. Yeah, it's going down the tubes by the day. Uh, if you want some exam- examples, I'll lay them out for you. No, let's have the examples. I am no fan uh, of, uh, of of the governor of, uh, of Idaho. I, I, I have observed him to be cowardly. Um, 
I think he's in the pocket of pharma, but you tell me, you're the guy running for governor. Okay. Uh, I'm also a county commissioner, second term. And so I get to deal with state on several levels. Yeah. Uh, pastor full time. And a little over two years ago, CARES Act money came to Idaho, $1.4 billion with the instructions to use it for COVID-related expenses. $289 million was sent to the counties, divided amongst the 44 counties according to populace, with the instructions to use it for a refund on your property tax from the previous year and broadband expansion. And I thought, well, that's kind of contradictive of what the federal instructions were. And so I took it to our civil attorney and I said, why does this sound wrong? And he said, well, it sounds wrong because it's illegal. He said, you guys can't do that. And so he called an executive session with the prosecutor, assistant prosecutor himself, our county treasurer, and then a law firm that we use for all federal stuff, uh, federal grants, FEMA, emergency management, airport. That's all they do is federal stuff. And our treasurer came forth and brought forth some state statutes that block her from having an avenue to ever giving you a refund on your property tax from the previous year. If it was a proper assessment, proper tax rate, you own the property that year, there is no avenue to regain that ever. And so we would be violating several state laws if we gave her the direction to do that. So then the federal attorneys started going through a list of federal laws we would be violating. And you need to keep in mind when you're dealing with, with FEMA or the Treasury Department, there are no misdemeanors. Everything's a felony. Yeah. And so as he's reading them off, I'm thinking, you know, even if they're class three, we've already passed 10 of them. So, yeah, I don't think even if they're class threes, that's going to make any difference at this point. And so there was a dozen plus, and uh, he said, when he'd finished, he said, gentlemen, at the end of the day, you three commissioners have the authority to follow these directions or not follow these directions. It's your call. As your attorney, I am telling you, if you follow Brad Little's instructions, you will spend a lengthy term in a federal penitentiary. Wow. And he will be free and harmless. And so through that process, I said, you know what? On the chance that I haven't lost my sex appeal, I don't really <laughs> cander to the ideal of going to federal pen. Yeah. I said, but I do have a question. I said, uh, I'm the only one in this room that doesn't have a big fancy degree of some type. I said, but I did pass third grade math. Now, 1.4 billion came to the state, 289 million got sent out. It seems to me that there's $1,111,000,000. Somebody want to take a shot at where that's at. And to this day, that hasn't been answered. So, so Governor Brad Little's office has answered that. He has not answered that. I have repeated what I just repeated to you at almost every Lincoln Day event. There are legislators there. The AG is there. 
uh, Secretary of State candidates are there. Nobody has bothered to answer that question. But I think I may can put it together for you. Shortly after that, I filed lawsuit owning because he gave us instructions that would send us to prison. Uh, I sued Brad Little in person and in his capacity as governor so that the taxpayers would not pay his legal fees. And so the attorney general decided he would defend Brad Little pro bono. And very shortly into it, he figured out he can't defend it because they had, in fact, asked us to break federal law. And so they backed off. The lawyers worked that problem out. And because he had to pay the attorneys, I'm sure that may be the reason I didn't get an invite to the Christmas party. <laughs> but uh, so after that, ARPA money came to the states. And just before it came, they said that it would come in two phases. So the first phase came, and I don't know what the total was, and uh, but I know what Bonner County got. Bonner County got $8.4 million, and we have chose not to use it because when reading through the contract, I discovered a little clause in there in paragraph 9A that said all recipients will follow all federal guidelines and regulations and any executive orders. There you go. And I thought, that sounds – I better I better go – asked my civil attorney on this. So I showed it to him and I said, is this pertaining to an executive order that's existing that pertains to ARPA? And he said, no, it's not. He said, otherwise it would say executive order number, whatever the number was. He said, but this is any executive orders. And so that was a major problem for me. And you go on to paragraph 14. uh, And I guess I'm the only one in, 50 states that caught that, it says, if we determine, not it, and we be in the Treasury Department, if we determine, not prove, not find evidence of, but if we determine that you have misused it or didn't follow proper procedures, it immediately becomes a federal debt payable at a time to be determined by us, which could be five o'clock this evening. Right. Or five o'clock Friday, whatever they decide. And as such, the Treasury Department has the authority to use whatever means available to collect that debt. Now, ironically, every county and city in every state got the same amount according to populace. So relatively, we all got the same. Mm-hmm. However, 8.4 million is about double what Bonner County is allowed to have in reserve. Wow. So if we were to spend that money and then they decide we didn't use it the way they thought we should, even though we may have thought we were doing it right, we've decided that no, we know you thought you were, but no. Then they can come back and say, we want that money by five o'clock Friday or five o'clock this evening. And the county will have no way to pay that. And as a U.S. Treasury debt, they will come in, seize the assets, freeze the accounts, remove the elected officials, 
and place federal employees in place of it. And you will change the USA from United States of America to United Socialist America. So the question was, well, what's the chance they would pick Bonner County out of the whole country? I said, they wouldn't. They don't have to. They can sit back and let, let them spend the bulk of it statewide and then take the state over. And they said, well, they, they would never do that. And I said, what'd they do in Arizona last week? And that was a couple of months ago. The audit. And uh, they said, well, Arizona plainly didn't follow directions. I said, I don't know. I wasn't in Arizona. I don't know if they did or not. You weren't there. Do you know if they did or not? I said, the fact is, they came in and they tried to claw the money back. And the only recourse that Arizona had was to file a lawsuit against the U.S. Treasury Department. And so doing that, there's a strong possibility you will spend at least as much as you received just fighting that. Yep. So it's a lose-lose situation if you spend that money and that fish hook gets set. Uh, If you... Look, this is you know, what you're describing. Uh, Steve Bradshaw is running for governor of Idaho. Uh, what you're describing uh, are a series of tripwires that are now set across the country. And, and this is why we've been talking about um, the the red state firewalls is there's going to have to be a movement uh, to create. To yeah, it's going to I I have started to play with the idea of creating a free state alliance where we create actual red states that actually recognize the existence of God Almighty, that actually recognize that we are a constitutional republic, all the things that you and I know. Uh, but we, we need to start kicking this federal money back because, first of all, it's not money. It's debt. They don't have any money. Right. They're, they're bankrupt. They bankrupted the system. So they didn't even have money. Um, and any money they get comes from the people of the states. It's a huge shell game. Um, so right. on, on the macro basis, people are being bribed with their own money and, and being told debt is money. Um, so we're going to have to team up as a group of states to say, hey, you know what? Actually, we're not going to have the NEA here. And yeah, we, we actually we will say no to federal transportation dollars. And, and actually, we will say no to COVID dollars. And actually, we're going to say no to all this stuff. But we're also going to go ahead and start protecting our citizens and passing some taxes um, that allow them to write this off their federal income taxes. I mean, this is going to be the stuff we're going to have to do, Steve. So I hope that people in Oklahoma, in Wyoming, and Utah, Utah is getting ready to fall, man. It is. And and we've all got our Boise problems. So your contention is Brad Little knows all this. And and do you, do you think Brad Little, uh, I mean, I don't know him. I've never met him. But what I hear is not impressive. Um, he won't debate. He's afraid of discussions. Um, is it your contention that he is knowingly selling the state out to the feds? Absolutely. Because nobody's that ignorant. Nobody. Uh, you've got the CARES Act, you've got the ARPA and everything that you're seeing him do right now, he started and put into action three years ago when he got elected. So he could bring it forward for the election and smoke in front of the people. Uh, the ARPA money is coming in two phases. Uh, a month ago, he came out and said he was ending the emergency. 
ironically, the day after the House passed the bill saying they were ending the emergency. Of course. And so he came out the next day and said, I am ending the emergency, but it won't come into effect until April 15th. And I thought, now that's curious as heck. Why, why not that day you enacted it in one day? Why don't you just stop it in one day? Yeah. And I got thinking about that, and I thought, what is, what is the reason for that? Nothing happens by accident. And so the next day at a Lincoln event, Senator Crapo was given a, a State of the Union, so to speak, address with, uh, with his office. And anyway, the House on the federal level had passed another trillion and a half for uh, ARPA. So phase two had been approved. Now, if you end the emergency, phase two check will not arrive yeah. because you're not under a state of emergency, yeah. so you don't need it. Yeah. So <laughs> it was my contention that it must be on the way. And then Crapo came out with that, and I said, it is, in fact, on the way. So sometime between the time he ended the emergency and April 15th, that second wave of money hit Idaho. He ended the emergency the 15th. The money's already here. And it is my prediction, if he wins the primary on April 18th or 19th, he will put us right back into emergency so that he can keep it. And, uh, and he'll use the new variant strain, uh, strain of COVID oh, sure. X as the reason. Right. And, uh, we'll be right back under the emergency. This has been planned for three years to do that. Now, all of a sudden over the last eight months, we've got this massive reserve with the state started out at billion and a half. Then it grew to two billion. Now it's two and a quarter billion. I'm sorry, if you got a two and a quarter billion dollar extra reserve that you did not know about, first thing you need to do is fire your bookkeeper. How is it he didn't tell you you had all this extra money? Right. With a seventeen and a half billion dollar budget, that's a significant surplus laying around that all of a sudden showed up. So where did it come from? Amazon moved here three years ago. Everything sold in state is taxable. So they weren't sure how much that was going to be. And they wanted to track it to see what kind of regular income that would be for the state. So they put it in a special fund and it's called the Wayfair tax. Wayfair tax is currently about 700 million. So you got three quarters of a billion minus some change is sitting in a fund that hasn't been touched for three years. You've got 1.11 billion that's missing from CARES Act money that nobody will say where it went. You've got uh, the part that the state used to pay for your health districts, he pushed on to the counties. So that goes in that extra reserve. How much got skimmed off of ARPA, nobody knows because nobody knows what the total was that came, which ironically, none of that or the CARES Act money has went through appropriations. And I think there's actually some legislative laws that, that dictate that. And uh, so 
because he decided to put us in emergency, he thinks he can bypass all that. Our AG has repeatedly said at these events when he speaks that his job is to defend the governor and to defend the state, the bureaucracy. His job is to interpret law so that it justifies what the governor wants to do. Those are the words out of his mouth. He needs to go. He's a super nice guy, but he honestly believes that is his job. Right. And he's a state official and right. elected by the people, not by Brad Little. Uh, right. And, and he thinks his job is to defend Brad, not the people. So you've described something that everybody needs to understand, um, that, that this is the method that's been laid out across the country. There are school districts who got paid huge money to put face diapers on kids. Um, they got paid huge money to push injections into kids. Um, this is by force. It's the great reset right here in front of you. So now all these tripwires exist and they're in your state. So Steve Bradshaw has called it out for the state of Idaho. As we talk about red state firewalls, we better get to the bottom of how many of these tripwires exist. Um, and Steve, it's exciting that you are a non-politician, a pastor. You've mentioned the fact that you don't wag around some uh, fancy degree, but doesn't stop you from being a very successful man. So how do people get in touch with you uh, to support what you're doing? Steve Bradshaw for governor.com. Yeah. Uh, you can look at that lawsuit on there. You can also look at an open letter that I sent to him when he tried to roll us back to stage two. Little. It's a little. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Look at my platform. I have things on my platform that none of the rest of them will touch on because they're controversial. And if you don't have the courage to go forward and tell the people what you truly represent, how are you going to have the courage protect the sovereignty of the state. Yeah. Yep. I, I like it. And that's, that's what it boils down to. Idaho is a sovereign state. All the lands within its borders are under its ownership and management. We will take the public lands back. 32 states have done that historically. The language and paperwork was prepared and ready when Brad Little got elected. When he was running, he said he would sign it when elected. After he got elected, he did not sign it for whatever reason, and I'm sure I know that reason, but it'd be speculation at this point. But he decided not to take the federal land back. And uh, so there is an avenue to do that. I will start that forward on day one. Your grocery tax will cease to exist on day one. Just the Wayfair tax in itself will replace that threefold. So there's only $143 million collected in grocery tax last year. For me, in order for me to survive the night and wake up the next morning, my body demands food, water, and air. And it's repulsive to me that any government entity would tax any one of those three. They're taxing our food. They're trying to take our water and, and dictate and control it. What's the price going to be on breathing? Because well, that's the only thing that's next. Oh, no, they're, they're already doing that. That's a carbon tax. It's a, it's a, it's a tax on what you exhale. Yeah. We exhale carbon. Right, right. You'll have to have your carbon credits. Right. <laughs> they're, coming, they're coming for the cattle ranches. 
And if it's and, not the uh, feds buying up the land, it's the Chinese Communist Party, it's Warren Buffett, it's Bill Gates, and they intend right. to destroy cattle farming. They in, intend right. to squeeze the, the supply of food so that you have to buy Franken meat and, and fake meat. Right. Yeah. So if you control the food, you control the people. If you control the people, then you control the money. Once you control that, you control it all. And you have entered into a socialist republic. So if, if we don't start fighting back state by state, this country will be gone. This is the most important election in the history of this nation, uh, without a doubt. And this primary, I think it's very important that everybody understand that in Idaho, the primary is the election. If you win the primary, you are, in fact, going to win that office in the general election. That's just a fact in Idaho. Uh, you've got four main contenders. You've got Brad Little. You've got Janice McGee. you got Ed Humphreys. And you got me. Bundy decided to run independent. I think he shot himself in the foot doing that. Uh, Ed Humphreys, nice guy. I like him. Uh, we've come to know each other pretty good on the campaign trail. I think he's an honest young man. Well-polished speaker, but then uh, Obama was a well-polished speaker. Yeah. But he never said nothing. Yeah. He talked a lot, and it sounded good, but it was all tossed salad. No meat in it. Yeah. Uh, Ed comes to the table with a degree in finance, no experience in anything, 31 years old. Super nice guy, went and got himself a good education, and I told him I'm proud of him for doing that. But he does not bring anything to the table that would help us correct the problem that's going on in this state. Uh, Janice, I love her. She's a great gal. I've known her for a while. Uh, I'm not going to attack her. I don't know that she's ever done anything wrong. She's been in 13 and a half years. She says she's not a career politician. She'll have uh, 14 when she finishes out LT. If she gets elected as governor, that'll be another four. That's 18 years. I'm sorry. In America, 18 years is a career. So she does have the smallest budget in the entire state. The lieutenant governor's office budget is $168,000. As of Friday, two weeks ago, she was $22,000 short of meeting her budget, which uh, her budget year is June 1st. So she's inching up on a 20% deficit on her budget, which is the smallest budget in the state. Uh, they have suspended her salary, and she had to let go all of her office help because there was no more way for her to appropriate money for that office. Uh, public records request. I'm second term as an elected official. She has 13 and a half years as an elected official. She knows what a public records request is. It is a state law. If you put in a public records request to my office, whatever it is, I've got 10 days to provide that. That's not optional. It is a state law. I would produce those records. They would go to legal. Legal would redact whatever needed to be redacted and it would be produced. 
to not do so, then I would be in violation of state law and would be looking at some pretty serious penalties. So this is something that she did not know. This is something that she's well aware of. Ten years as a legislator, I'm sure she has dealt with that. And certainly three and a half years as lieutenant governor. So she should have never gotten that predicament. What was the predicament? Why she did records? Right. And so that's why she got sued by the newspaper. Oh, for blocking public records. Right. And uh, ended up paying a big fine and she wants the state to pay the attorney fees. Well, it's not the taxpayer's responsibility if I break the law. If I knowingly and willingly break the law in my capacity as a commissioner, the county will not provide legal for me. I will have to pay that out of my pocket. And that's not a mystery to anybody. So those are two things that uh, for me are an issue. If you cannot handle a $168,000 budget, what are you going to do with a $17.5 billion budget? Bonner County, we've got right at a $60 million budget. We kept taxes flat three years in a row, and our budget has always balanced. I think we were off $1,000, but that's money moving back and forth that catches up somewhere. Uh, so, and then of course, Brad Little is Brad Little. Brad Little. So that's is. what you got pick yeah. right there. Brad Little and my audience will get this reference. He is both the shiny shoe and a member of the party. Um, and there's, that's the, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, I'm always thankful for people sticking their neck out. I know you've been going around the state and very, very busy. And your team tells me there's not a day that goes by. You're not shaking hands and and talking to voters and spending your time that way. So uh, thank you for giving us the blessing of your time. um, And thank you for telling the truth. And thank you for recognizing Christ Jesus, Steve. I appreciate that. Steve Bradshaw. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Steve Bradshaw for governor.com. Good. There it is. Don't forget to hit that donate button. (laughs) Yeah, hit that one up. All right, Steve, appreciate your help, and thanks for coming on the program. That's it. It's a godly man uh, taking a run for office. Um, Uphill battle, given uh, the money. And you just heard about what he contends to be the corruption of Brad Little. It's very important that if you live in a red state, you get this interview to other people in red states. It's part of the firewall. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And let's only, only take the knee one time, well, continually, but to only one being, to God Almighty. How much do you spend from your paycheck in about 100 days? The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski. Every day, Chris helps unpack the connection between politics and the economy and how it affects your wallet. The federal government is on pace to spend over $1 trillion per every 100 days. Are Speaker Johnson and congressional Republicans doing anything about it? Enough is enough. Whether it's happening in D.C. or down on Wall Street, it's affecting you financially. Be informed. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.